0: Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Today, our very special guest is Josh Gershon. He is the founder of Startup Island. Um, A couple years ago when Josh had this idea, I assisted him in kind of setting a part of the foundation. And then he went on to accelerate and grow and build Startup Island into this amazing program that none of us, no one could have imagined back in, what was it, like 2015 or 2014? 2015 yeah yeah so long and it's just really crazy how you know you uh, people start with this one small idea and then it becomes this great thing that's impacted hundreds of students and young professionals and individuals literally all over the world but you know Josh definitely can you give us an introduction and tell us about who you are and kind of what your entrepreneurial journey has been so far
1: absolutely yeah and and thanks for having me on this is this is cool because of our backstory (laughs) Yeah, Uh, comes full circle. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I guess to make it somewhat of a short story or I'll try, um, you know, I think I was always entrepreneurial minded. I can say that looking backwards now, I don't know that I would have been able to tell you that necessarily as a, you know, a kid or a high school student. But one thing I, I, definitely can say about myself now that I know resoundingly is that I always question things. So if I was told to do something, but it didn't make sense to me or, you know, internally it didn't feel right or it wasn't providing me some sort of stimulation or value. I always kind of had a problem with doing that thing or I would at least stop and question, well, why do I have to do this thing? Mm -hmm. And that played out, you know, that played out in my life through, through school, through, summer jobs I had through things my parents wanted me to do you know that played out everywhere in my early life um and so I think like a lot of entrepreneurs can say I did all of like you know the lemonade stands and (laughs) I remember like when desktop computers were still a thing and the cd burner came out I used to burn cds and try to sell them and you know, all that good stuff to try and, and have a little quick side hustle. Um,
0: the hustles. <laughs>
1: of course, of course. Um, but then I, I think where it really kind of kick-started, you know, where the entrepreneurial journey became something tangible was in college where I had um, the opportunity to work for a student-founded business. You know, up until that point, I was kind of a dreamer. I used to come up with all these crazy ideas and – I believed that you know if someone I believed that crazy ideas were crazy ideas, and therefore crazy ideas can't be actually turned into reality, <laughs> but it was during college where my friend and I and, and really this was spearheaded by one of my friends, he had this idea for what at the time we thought was this original you know online food ordering platform, so now of course there's Grubhub and Seamless and Uber Eats and you know another million competitors out there um, but we were thinking more, more towards, you know, creating this platform specifically for the small college town of of Bloomington, Indiana, where we were going to school at Indiana University. And so a couple weeks into our freshman year, I remember my friend was talking to a couple older students about this idea. We were like out at a party or something one night and he's talking to a couple of guys. I think one was a junior, one was a senior, and he's essentially pitching them this idea for this online platform. And he says, um, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to, you know, collect all these menus, put everything online, you know, streamline the whole food ordering process, blah, 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 And one of the guys says to us essentially, well, you know, got some good news and bad news for you. You know, unfortunately this idea is taken. There's a website here on campus called B-Town Menus that's really starting to gain some, gain some traction and everybody's starting to use it. And so, you know, you probably wouldn't be best off to, to start a competitor right now in the game. Um, but the good news is it's my company. I'm the founder. And so, and so it was pretty, you know, pretty crazy coincidence. And I remember my friends started working for him pretty shortly after. And then a few more of us also started working for him as interns. And, you know, through that experience that, that kind of just stuck. And and a few of us stayed the course for all four years of college. And I personally worked my way from, you know, basically a guerrilla marketing intern to director of marketing. And with that title came, a lot of different things. You know, we were were planning marketing campaigns, was hiring and firing interns, was, you know, running these small initiatives on campus. We were selling advertisements to restaurants. We were, you know, we really had, but really had the opportunity to, you know, do several different things throughout the business. And that experience showed me two major things. For one, it showed me, you know, we as students right now, as young people, we have this opportunity to go out there, create something, work on something, you know, learn immensely from the work that we do and also have a real impact and, and you know, make real money, drive revenue. Um many, Yeah. Um, you know, in the four years I worked there, we really, we grew this website tremendously. Um, so that was, that was a great experience. And then secondly, I, I became just sort of enamored with college campuses and, and the, the market That exists within a college campus and within a college student demographic Um, you know I think like I kind of got to see a college campus and a college ecosystem as something different from just a student because I was also kind of on the back end like looking at my fellow students my fellow peers as to like you know what are your buying habits what makes you tick what gets you excited what what do you like about being on campus what kind of events do you like going to what what do you hate when do you make certain decisions versus when, you know, when do you do other things? Um, So I I really just like became fascinated with this ecosystem and, you know, looking back on it now, I could say that those were the early sort of seedlings um, that led to, you know, both starting a program that revolves around entrepreneurship and also, you know, college students and and the energy uh, that comes with being a college student.
0: Nice. And you definitely have like transformed that now into, you know, Startup Island. So could you talk a little bit about the journey to Startup Island?
1: For sure. Yeah. So graduated college in, in 2011. Um, kind of ran with the, the menu platform thing for a couple of years. I actually wound up starting my own in the Twin Cities. Wound up not going as planned. Um, so that's, you know, kind of first failure, if you will. Um, I like to look at it now as first big lesson learned. Um, many lessons there, but I guess two major takeaways for, for any listeners would be you need a lot more time than you think you do to build a business and you need a lot more capital than you think mm-hmm. you do to build a business. So learned that uh, in kind of a struggling market and got to a point where you know, we said, this thing is not growing the way we want it to and is it worth the additional time and the additional capital? And due to, I think, lack of passion overall, um, the answer was no there. Um, So went back to New York, which is where I'm from. And after bouncing around quite a bit, essentially, you know, kind of landed my first um, real New York City sales job, um, which was selling digital printing and advertising solutions to, you know, anyone from these large kind of corporate learning and development companies to small time marketing agencies. And and hated the product I was selling, but (laughs) got some really good sales training. Um, You know, the first time, like real official sales training in a New York City environment, very fast paced, cutthroat. So learned a lot from that. And then after about a year and a half, two years, transitioned into a startup role um, back in the food tech space, actually. So... That was great for a while because it had that entrepreneurial spirit that I was looking for. I was brought onto this company as the 30th employee in two years. I got to watch us grow to probably around 150, 200 even. Um, you know, so that was just really exciting, explosive growth to be a part of. And it was back in Food tech, which was a space I was familiar with and had really enjoyed being a part of. So that ran its course and, and was great for a little while. And this takes me to around summer of 2015, where I started to get a little antsy. And, you know, there were both kind of personal and professional reasons for that. Professionally, I saw there was a ceiling within the company. You know, I can grow to maybe a mid-level manager here. My salary will be X. Um... It, I had higher hopes, higher aspirations for myself professionally within the organization, so I felt like the walls were kind of closing in there. but even more alarming was the personal side of that. I just like I wasn't fulfilled, you know, like mm. waking up in the morning and going to work to figure out how to help offices streamline their catering process was like not the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning, you know <laughs> um, and so when I start to have like this kind of you know, I feel like a lack of fulfillment. I don't know if other entrepreneurs can relate to this or not, but me, I'm very, very bad at compartmentalizing. So if I'm not fulfilled in my work, everything else in my life around that kind of starts to suffer too, because here I am spending 10, 12 hours a day doing something that I'm just like, you know, it's not filling my cup spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Um, And, and because I'm spending 12 hours a day doing that, like, I don't have other time to spend on taking care of myself, on exploring, you know, who I am, how I want to live, what I want to do, who I want to surround myself with, um, passions I want to explore outside of work, so on and so forth. I felt like everything just started to take its toll on me. And at that point, I asked myself this question. And this question was, you know, how do how do I grow personally and professionally at the same time, right? Like if I want to live out a meaningful life, obviously work and career and impact will be a part of that. So how can I, how can I feel like I'm growing in my career while I'm also growing in my life? And I knew the life part, you know, that part I had figured out. I knew that travel for me, uh, was always something that anytime I took a trip, especially like a trip where I could travel like a local, you know, travel like a, a native and not a tourist and really like immerse myself in a culture um, and even especially if i got to travel by myself i would always come back having learned so much both about myself and about the world and like how i see myself in it and all these intricacies nice. and so I was huge i knew i wanted to travel i knew i wanted to make travel a big part of my life and my career but i wasn't sure how to do that and then so i started asking well how do i combine travel with you know, maybe entrepreneurship, maybe creativity, maybe design in the arts, maybe, you know, all of these different things that like, I feel like would excite me in some sort of, um, you know, professional capacity. And, you know, I guess somewhere, somewhere at that point, you know, that, that kind of struck this light bulb, this aha moment. And it said, well, why don't I combine travel with all of the things I just mentioned with the entrepreneurship, with the resources, with the mentorship, um, really with a community of people that, are similar valued or, or like-minded or you know can lift you up in that way so when you take this trip it's way more than a trip it's like a, a huge like injection of inspiration it's this giant life change um and so that's you know that's that was the raw idea for startup island you came along the way somewhere in there i remember uh, i attended like one of your get shit done events um i was like wow you know, she's got to figure it out, like we, you know, <laughs> she runs a community of these people that, that I want to be around. Um, so I remember we started talking shortly after that. And then that was like the very raw shell for, for what Startup Island would become.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, you've talked a little bit about kind of how you got Startup Island, but now, you know, what does Startup Island do? Like, let's tell the audience of uh, what does this magic, um island-focused, entrepreneurship-focused program, like, what is it all about? Like, what does it look like on a day-to-day, and what do, you know, clients or participants get out of it?
1: Thank you for asking that, because when I talk about the the early workings of Startup Island. I just ramble when I tell my story. So <laughs> I'm glad you're opening it back in and, and giving me the opportunity to tell people what it actually is. So today, as it exists, Startup Island is a program that creates different travel experiences, week-long, weekend, customized retreat and experiential learning opportunities that are specifically geared towards entrepreneurial-minded students and young professionals. So we have three core programs that we run. One is an alternative spring break for the entrepreneurial minded college student. One is a summer camp weekend for young professionals. So 21 and over, really 21 to 35-ish is our typical demographic for summer camp. And then we have a new year's program that we run called Ignite. And that takes place every new year, which is just really a way to kind of, you know, reflect a little bit on on the years past and, and jumpstart the new year in a very intentional way. Um, and all of these programs, you know, at their core are about, are about blending your personal and professional passions and surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you take steps forward in your career and in your life based on whatever success looks like for you.
0: Nice. And see, so, you know, you have all these nice, fancy programs. You got the summer camp. You got the Ignite for the new year. You have the spring break but did it all start like this? You know, was it day 1 out the gates? I'm going to have all these amazing programs. What was that first program and that first trip look? what was that look? What did that look like, right? What did that feel like? And could you talk a little bit about the ups and the downs because oftentimes, you know, we see startups and we see founders with all these great products and services and all this shiny fancy nice, you know, social media accounts, but no they they fairly often talk about, you know, that first um, version you know version 0.001 of facebook version 0.001 of instagram like what was version one of you know startup island what did that look like what did you learn from it and kind of just talk a little bit about that first first um, time
1: 100 percent. so short answer is hell no it did not look the same as, as it does now program development has come a long way um when we first started you know, and this goes back to when you and I were like first talking about how to get this off the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, all we knew at that point was we want to combine travel with with personal and professional development. We want to get good people together. We want to go to some tropical place, and we can imagine that good things are going to happen when they get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you and I, like, really, really early, were like, and you know, we can charge a lot of money for this, and mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing. Like, I remember when we kind of had our, you know, we had like this very premature launch party and, you know, people came, people were interested in this concept, but the questions were like, okay, so like what actually is going to happen here? And we were kind of like, well, you know, like just, you know, we're going to get together. Like, we're going to come up with ideas. We're going to make business, you know, like good things are going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And, and then like, you realize like that's not enough to sell people on a premium travel experience. Right. Mm Mm-hmm like, sure, maybe that's good at like a free meetup somewhere, you know, but if someone's paying thousands of dollars to go to Costa Rica, let's say, or or go to any kind of, you know, premium exotic destination, they want to know exactly what's going to happen. And what is my return on this investment going to be rightfully so. Um, so a little later down the line, probably a few months after that initial, like, you know, potential customer feedback experience, we started thinking about, okay, you know, how can we, and, and by this point, so I, I brought in Brian, who's, you know, my co-founder today and, and has been a friend of mine since we were in middle school. Um, and so we started talking about what, what are really our strengths? What can we actually bring to this experience to deliver, you know, something that young entrepreneurial minded people will jump at the chance to join? And we both had experience you know, throughout our lives in different capacities, whether it was like working at summer camps or, you know, being like peer mentors in in our schools and upbringings. Um, We were both very good at kind of structuring programs and facilitating different types of discussions that can help people, you know, leave with some sort of takeaway. So we went to the drawing board and thought about what can, you know, what kind of facilitated conversations can we have throughout a week that would look like a week-long retreat on Startup Island. And the more we wrapped our heads around that, back at this point still, we were still kind of thinking like entrepreneurship boot camp in Costa Rica. Like you're going to Costa Rica mainly because it's awesome, but the programming is still very much like entrepreneurial boot camp focused, like come up with an idea, leave with an MVP type of thing. Yeah. And after we started speaking to potential travelers, um, many of whom were college students, we came up with the idea. This was around October of 2015. So, so timing wise and based on what we had learned from some of the younger students we were talking to, we got the feel that, you know, this might be a good option for college students that get a week off for spring break, that they want to do something exciting. They want to do something meaningful and they don't want to just go like get wasted in Cancun. (laughs) They want to do something a little bit different, but they still want that fun travel experience. So, we decided to develop the program as such as an alternative spring break. And we may, you know, we mocked up a website. Um, we got a few speakers at this time. We were actually video chatting speakers in um, from the States. Not all of them came to Costa Rica to be on site. Like they are now. We had a few people that had, you know, some kind of clout and, and, and decent reputation in the entrepreneurship world um, that we thought if, you know, we put their names out there, like that would help us sell tickets. And we just started knocking on doors and, and essentially like screaming from the rooftops about Startup Island to every single college student, every single student organization, every single entrepreneurship club that we could get contact info for. And there were times where, you know, I mean, we, must have, we, we probably spoke to at least hundreds, you know, maybe thousands of college students in like that five month period. And a few were really, really receptive. Um, a few were interested and curious, but not sold because we didn't exist prior to, you know, them hearing about us. So there was no past programs that they can look to to kind of validate our credibility. Um, but luckily, you know, thank God. Um, and, and it really started with, uh, guy named Ben Bungert who is the president of the Northeastern Entrepreneurship Club who him and I had a really good conversation and he he took a chance on us you know and he said basically he was looking for things like this to kind of offer to his student community and you know he thought what better way to get students out of their comfort zone and take students that you know maybe learn differently and give them an opportunity to get to know other students differently get to know themselves differently and kind of see how that sparks their creativity and you know, pretty much just from Northeastern and then a few kind of warm connections from the Northeastern connection, we have 16 people for our first time.
0: Nice. And you see, uh, what I want to kind of highlight from the story that Josh just shared with us is, you know, learning from, learning kind of went to pivot, you know, from that initial event that we had kind of taking in feedback. Well, actually, take a step before that, right? Putting it out into the world, not waiting until it's perfect, shiny, and impeccable before you put it out into the world. So putting it out into the world with, you know, that very basic version of what you want it to be, what you think it should be, getting feedback from individuals that would be, your, you know, in your target market, and then making adjustments based on that feedback. Like, you might think you know the best color for this product or service is blue and then everyone's like actually no you know i really like it yellow i think it'd be great yellow and if this is your target target audience and you know majority of them are saying yellow making that pivot to becoming yellow or kind of adjusting so that it makes sense for your audience and then after that now kind of continuing to build up on that and getting more feedback and, and a continuous loop of like releasing something small getting feedback, talking about it to people. You know, a lot of folks are also scared to share their idea because they think, oh, someone's going to take it. But just really championing your idea and believing in it, you know, it's not really only your idea. It's the people that are behind the idea and executing it. that are. That's really the secret sauce. Anybody can have an idea. You know, they said, what well, the TV was invented by two different people at completely two different sides of the country or the world at the same time. And it's just how you execute. That's really the key, key thing, like who you are and how you execute. And then on top of that, now, you know, once you have this final version or the version you want to make be your launch version, then going to individuals and championing it, say, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going down. Can you be a supporter? Can you share it with your audience? Can you share it with your students? Going to schools, doing presentations, and then, you know, you got that, um, person involved and now your first trip could have had five people but now it has 16 people and they're all taking a leap of faith it's all a new experience and it's all a starting point but now what four years late almost four years later there's three programs about how many graduates or participants have you had in the program since then
1: so we've had close to 250 participants on on core startup island programs and we also do custom retreats for organizations student clubs clubs VC firms, uh, you know, solo yoga instructors and boutique studios. So with our customer treats, we've had over
0: 300. Nice. So you see, it has to trickle. Like, you know, build up happens a day at a time. And I'm pretty sure if you tried to launch all three of those programs initially, 99% chance they would have all flopped. And as um, Josh mentioned in the beginning of this interview, you always need more time and more capital than, capital than you think. And I think the bigger one of those two is time right you could get money and you could lose money all the time you know investments go sour investors lose their money you could go get a job you could go do freelance you could you could always lose and then make money again but time is something once it's gone it's completely gone so be really mindful of how you're investing your time and making sure that you're not in the lab trying to build this idea for a year and then you haven't even gotten any feedback from anyone you want to launch it into the world and be surprised that no one is paying attention to it or giving you know no one wants to buy it off of day one because they had no idea you know what it is, you never took any customer feedback or you didn't have a wide enough pool of customer feedback. You didn't ask the right people, you didn't interact with the right kind of customer base to get that engagement and that feedback that you need.
1: Um, 100%.
0: So thank you for sharing that, Josh. And um, we're coming close to our end, but I definitely wanna ask you about what do you think over the last four years has been one of the craziest misadventures on this journey. <laughs> um, you know, ch- just one, we're going to just do one and we'll <laughs> for now. Cause I know there, as every entrepreneur knows, they, they, there are usually many stories.
1: <laughs> Too many. Um, <laughs> one day, you know, when, when, hopefully when we make it big enough that, you know, we could really tell the uncensored version of all the misadventures, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day. We got a big blooper reel. Um, Man, Um, you know, I guess, and this kind of piggybacks off the last, you know, the last point that you just made too, you know, for one, listen, putting it out in the world is like you said, I mean, so, so essential, especially when your product service and and pretty much, you know, all businesses rely on customers in some way, shape or form, right? So Mm -hmm. we thought that we were going to be this sort of, like I said, entrepreneurship boot camp. And then what happened when we got our trip together and the conversation started to develop and we realized, you know, what our students and our participants are looking for is more than just a, you know, week to build an MVP because like, you know, you're getting that in the classroom, you're getting that on YouTube, you're getting that in these workshops that you go to in your hometown. Um, But what they were looking for was this platform to share authentically with people that they know Think the same way, are similarly driven, you know, want to make a big impact on the world, and and want to really beat to their own drum and walk their own path all the while doing it. Um, so, I guess this leads into our our first and biggest misadventure is when we realized that this was the secret sauce. This was the difference between a startup island program and a startup weekend, or you know, any of these other kind of boot camp type programs. Um, we were so excited and we just wanted to run with it, you know, and we were like, after that first trip, we were just running high on emotion and we were right in that. Like, this is the thing that we want to do for the rest of our lives. You know, this is, this is the thing that we want to bring to the world. And this kind of entrepreneurial energy and drive is the thing that we want to pay forward. Um, But we were like, all right, we had 16 people. We're going to do it again this summer. So in only, you know, four months from now, we're going to get a hundred people. And like, that was pretty fucking crazy. You know, like that was not a good good idea. That was not a logical jump. Um, However, misadventures and and mistakes teach you so much because what happened was when we shot for a hundred people and we wound up with eight of them, (laughs) literally eight people, which was half the amount that we got for our first trip. Um, You know, we carried on with a smaller group we kept it going. We, we made a trip happen for a smaller group of people. And we realized that, again, you know, another kind of special ingredient to Startup Island is the intimacy. It's the intimacy in that group. And being in a small group helps people really have feel like they have that space to open up, really tell personal stories, really, you know, share the things that they're going through or the challenges that they're having or why they can't overcome certain things or, you know, why they're feeling stuck in their life. So, now that you know it is almost four years later and like of course the demand you know has has increased since those days and you know it's not as much of a challenge i think all travel businesses it's still you know there's always it's always hard to fill seats right um but now that we you know we don't have to worry about decreasing number of travelers from trip to trip um the challenge has become how do you scale the number of participants maintain that intimacy and scale the impact of the program. So what do we do to make sure that the, you know, people leave with these incredible breakthroughs? um, But of course, as we're growing the business, how do we go from eight people to 20 people on one trip? Or how do we, you know, do a summer camp weekend that started as 14 and went to 30 and might go to 60 this summer? Um, How do you do that? So, you know, you learn a ton from the misadventures and, um, you kind of adapt to the information that, that you get. Um, but I think, I think mistakes and failures, those are like, that, that's the most raw information you could ever get, right? Like that's, that's the slap in the face or that's like tripping and falling down and getting cut. Like that is uncensored, unfiltered feedback that you could only get when shit hits the fan. And you know, that's why I would advise anyone to, like you said, you know, judge yourself less and worry about perfection less just go out there. And like, you know, everyone says this, right. But like, just go out there and fail. Um, Don't try to fail and don't look at it as failure. Like be a little more gentle. So I would say, don't go out there and fail, go out there and just do it, do it. And know that it's not going to be perfect. And that's going to be the best feedback that you can get is when you go out there and you make your first mistakes.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. And just like to to reiterate that, right. The, more you learn and the more you do, the closer you get to succeeding. And I always tell people, you know, the first time I do anything, trust me, like I've I've gotten to know this about myself, I'm gonna mess up. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna be crazy. But that second or third time, oh, <laughs> you you're not ready for it. <laughs> like, and I think you know, it, it's a it's a it's a rite of passage. You have to go out there and try. And it's not gonna be perfect. You know, you're not gonna r- win your first race that you do. You're not gonna um, win your first spelling competition, your, your first painting is not going to be the most beautiful one. You have to just put in the work and then the results will show themselves because every time you're failing, you're, you're learning what's wrong and what doesn't work. So that the next time, you know, you're, you're focused more on the things that do work and you continue to do the things that do work and make sense and grow your business. Um, we are at the end now. So Josh, definitely grateful to have you here. I'm super excited to learn more about Startup Island and maybe be one of those mentors on one of those trips. You know, I need to go to Costa Rica. Um, Let's make it happen, Georgie. Let's make it happen and let's get it done. Um, But what is some tangible advice or information you want to give to our listeners who are probably, you know, entrepreneurs right now or prospective entrepreneurs for the future? Just what kind of information do you think is vital for them to know if they you know, left this podcast episode with just one piece of information, what would that be?
1: Yeah, it also piggybacks off what you were just saying. I, I think, you know, being humbled and appreciative of both your successes and your failures. Because let's say you go out, like you said, you know, your first, you don't win your first race, but you work, your, you work your butt off, you know, and you get faster and faster, and then you win that race. Guess what happens when you win that race? Now you have a new benchmark that you set for yourself, right? Now you want to, you know, you're going to enter a race with with faster runners or you have a new best time that you're pushing for. So either you're going to, you know, you're going to fall short of your goals and that's going to push you to get better or you're going to hit your goal and then you're going to set a new one and keep going. So somewhere in between, you know, on both sides of that in the middle is being humbled by both your successes and your failures. So just appreciate that throughout the entire journey and remember why you're doing what you're doing. You're not doing it to win. You're not doing it to succeed. You're not doing it to be better next time. Although those are all byproducts of the entrepreneurial journey, you're doing it for those like one little moment, you know, those (laughs) tiny little moments where you can stop and appreciate, really appreciate the present moment of the journey. That is the beautiful, magical thing. That's what I would say.
0: Love, love, love that, right? It is the journey. It's the misadventures and adventures that make successful um, founders. And kind of imagine how boring it would be if you just made it on your first chart. Then, then what do you do next, right? Like you know, you launch that startup. You get a million dollar, you know, let's go high. You get a billion dollars on that first day. Everyone loves it. What do you do tomorrow, right? So the journey is a part of that, and just recognizing it. And you know, like you said, being. Um, gentle with it right respecting it and just honoring it and say you know this is the journey this is a part of it um I, I read a book recently and uh shoot I'm not remembering the name of it I read like a few but it was saying that I think it was option b by Cheryl Sandberg yeah okay. and it was saying that life is lived um forward but understood by like looking back so pretty much like you don't see the lessons until you've experienced the, the thing that you learn from like you don't you can't like prepare for the lesson. It's like you learn the lesson and then it's like in hindsight, you're like, oh man, that's where those dots connected or where it missed out, but you won't have those experiences unless you're like living it forward and going through it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's why in this moment, if you can say one day I'll be able to look back and, and draw a conclusion from where I am right now. And so for now, let me just appreciate this because I know it's taking me somewhere.
0: Exactly. Love that. And on that note, guys, we'll catch you next time for another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Josh. Thanks, Georgie. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week. Same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.